0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away, a podcast voted all things in and around the world of Sporting Kansas City soccer. I am Drew Vanderplug, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. This week on the podcast, Sporting Kansas City participated in a soccer game that we saw with our own eyes. The season has begun. While the performance on the field in Houston may have been less than crisp, it did include taking home a worthwhile point back to Kansas City for the home opener this weekend. And the match offered a number of items for us to overanalyze as we satiate our desire for actual soccer to watch and discuss, and we'll do our best to provide you with all of that content this week. Sporting Kansas City Media Day was hosted at the freshly upgraded Children's Mercy Park on Tuesday this week, offering media members the opportunity to take in the video and lighting upgrades, as well as a number of updates, concessions, and get some face time with Peter Vermees and many of the players. Tactical Corner this week will be a look into how Sporting Kansas City were set up to play in Houston, the differences in what we may have expected to see, and whether we think it is a sign of things to come, or perhaps a riff on the tactical plan we saw in the playoffs last October. It's probably a bit of both, and some wrinkles certainly have the opportunity to show themselves further into this season. The Kansas City Current are making news in KC for all the wrong reasons, and it surrounds a topic that Kansas Cityans can never seem to get enough of, parking. In fairness, this is the latest in a line of decisions or tactics by the club on the business side that seem to be eliminating a lot of goodwill that this club has created. Cody, the one thing that was evident as soon as this game started is it was definitely the first game of the season for Sporting Kansas City. And while some rustiness is certainly to be expected in game one of the year, I think it was still a bit jarring especially for anyone who watched Columbus uh, play versus Atlanta earlier that afternoon. Um, And all the commentary coming out of camp was how fresh and healthy the team was Mm -hmm. and the limited change of the roster. And yet they just looked like they do in game one every year, which was just sort of clunky and not really ready to play at speed
1: well i think it goes deeper than that and i'll just come right out at, at the at the outset and say that i um i think it was a disappointing I, I don't think the result is disappointing like i don't i don't mind going down to houston and coming away with a point that's not uh that's not the worst thing but i think the performance left uh, a lot to be desired honestly um uh given the given the 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 consistent of the club given given the fact that we have so many uh, players who are veterans who uh who were with the club during that you know late surge um during last season um and and into the playoffs and and um i was really hopeful that they would come out looking looking sharp and looking ready to go and um and they really uh they really didn't um they seemed a little uh a little timid um The the um, I was not crazy about like the the game model seemed a little bit confused to me like I I wasn't really we weren't really pressing uh, a lot um, but we also weren't sitting back and you know you and I had talked about the the um, uh, privately about the the formation with they weren't sitting in a in that mid four four two block and so that kind of surprised me and confused me a little bit and and when you when you take that along with the fact that you know they were playing yes um a good team a, a, um away uh but they were playing Houston without Hector Herrera they were and 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 some other uh uh starters um and they were playing against Houston who had uh, already uh played in CONCACAF Champions Cup earlier in the week um I just, I just was, was uh, expecting more and, you know, maybe that's unfair of me. I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that.
0: I think the pragmatist in me is perfectly fine with a one, one road draw to start the season. I mean, if you start on the road, first game of the year, like if you look at it from a, a, just a result perspective, I think it's fine. Um, I think that, your points are well taken and when we get into the tactical corner part of the pod we can talk a little bit about what the team's trying to do and that the fact that they weren't really accomplishing it um and whether some of that was to do with the opponent and the locale and kind of using some of what they did in houston uh in the playoff game last year obviously the setup was different but the ideas weren't completely different um but yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think when I rewatched the game, I was less upset by the performance than I was when I watched it the first time. I think some of that is to do with the fact that I had 48 hours to kind of think about it, hear some other people's thoughts and you know absorb those and try to apply them to how I look at the game. And then some of it was just, while it wasn't, it, it was a long ways away from how Columbus looked versus Atlanta. There's a reason I brought that up because I watched that match and I watched how obsessively well-drilled Columbus was in that game. And they ran out of gas after about 70 minutes, which I can, that is something I can understand. First game of the year, all of a sudden you lose some of your crispness fairly early into the game just because you're not match fit. But they looked unbelievably well-drilled and clean. Going into that match against Atlanta. And I don't know that I saw that from sporting. In fact, I saw the opposite. I saw some ideas and I saw some patterns that I do think will be good. But they were just off. They There was a lot of uh, misweighted passes. There was a lot of mistimed passes. There was a lot of missed touches. There was a lot of uh, late or poor positioning. You know, just stuff that is, you know, just mistake. It was mistake prone. That's the best way I can describe it. It was very mistake prone, which happens in the first game of the year a lot. And I think that's where you and I are a little frustrated because with no roster turnover, other than people leaving, you know, you have your starting 11 is full of guys that have been with this club for a while. They most of them played a lot of minutes last year. And you would expect with a full preseason and full health that they'd be crisper than this, and they were not. So I think I can see both sides of that argument. I think, like I said, from the result perspective, I'm totally fine with it. I do think that there's a base here for something that will be successful long-term. I like the fact that they held Houston under 1.0 XG in their home park on opening day. That's pretty good. So I think the defensive base was fine. And, you know, outside the goal that that Houston scored, which we'll get into, I thought was – Annoying, but not something I'm really ultra concerned about being a problematic issue. Um, I thought they played, they defended pretty well in this game and they didn't allow a whole lot. So, you know, while they didn't create anything either offensively, like almost nothing. Um, I'm, I'm less, I'm, I'm not so down on the performance, I guess is what I would say.
1: Okay. So, so I agree with you, um, um. In large part uh, the, about the, the the defensive showing that the team made, but uh, I think that that really um, one of the problems that was illustrated, and it's something that we've talked about before, is the is the lack of a ball winner in the midfield, and um, and I think that that was really evident that um, that we didn't have any, we didn't have you know Roger Espinosa uh, or somebody like that out there. Um, uh, winning balls and making stiff challenges and, um, and making Houston players, Houston attackers pay, uh, a price for going, you know, into our, uh, into our defensive third and, and, um, or even into the midfield, frankly. And, and, uh, and I think that that's going to continue to be a problem. Um, you know, it's especially glaring now because, uh, you know, part of the game model for the, for the team is to, is to really possess the ball. Um, and, um, that, that's great. I'm going to stop you there. You, you I don't have know that, to have the ball to, to I, I, I don't know that, that that, I don't
0: know that that's the new game model based on what well, I
1: saw. If or at least it, it, it
0: didn't seem like it last night.
1: I know what you're saying. And if that's the case, then, then between you and me, and I guess whoever's listening, <laughs> um, Alan Polito and, uh, and Johnny Russell should not have started and probably should not start games. Uh, if we're not going to be possessing the ball.
0: And that's a separate issue right I'm, I'm completely with you on that and again we're, we're treading on tactical corners and uh, parts of this conversation for sure um that we can get into about their effectiveness in this system and is this system sort of evolving to something else because we saw this system make some evolutions in the playoffs last year and i felt like this was a next step of that evolution in in this game um i saw some some out in out passing patterns that looked a lot like people who want to like they and they were automatism related, like guys were set in areas to do quick out in out passing to move the ball up the field. That's not something that sporting normally does. I mean, they'll triangle, but this was like get the ball 30, 30 yards down the field fast kind of stuff that I just don't, I mean, this is not something we historically have seen sporting do. And they were also playing through the right side a lot. So again, yeah, that,
1: I did notice that. And I, I think that that has a lot to do with with Tommy being over there. And um, and I think that that's okay. and also not giving
0: turnovers to Coco Karaskia. I think well, that's the other reason but, why, why Remy Voltaire but, is on the left side. There's, there's but, a lot, a lot of dependencies, I think, going on opponent wise there. But
1: right. But I, I mean I don't frankly I don't think Voltaire did a good job uh, against uh, Karaskia and and I think that that too many times that that uh, was allowed to you know he was allowed time and space to pick up his head and pass make passes and he did it on the goal that was disallowed and he did it on uh, on the the goal that that counted and um, uh, you yeah. I mean, I mean, the first thing you have to do is stop that ball in the midfield, regardless of what else is happening with the back well, we line. We don't have
0: those guys, so, but that's the point. You're right. That's, like we that's, don't that's have the point guys. I'm making.
1: Right. That's yeah. the point I'm making. And so, um, and so if you're not going to do that, like I, I too kind of feel like this team is kind of in some sort of like a transitional, like, like, like you're right. They weren't, they're not that possession heavy team. Um, or at least they didn't try to be on, on, on Saturday, but then if, if they're not going to do that, then what are they, right? Because they definitely weren't like a counterattacking team because they didn't have those kinds of players, the kind of players that stretch the field and and, and take defenders on um, um, in a counterattack. They did not. Uh, with with the exception of uh, of mm-hmm. Tommy, have that those players on the field, and so they got to figure out what they're doing because Saturday, you know, yes, the players were rusty and they had you know that kind of stuff, but but I I just have problems with I, what it appeared that they were being asked to do.
0: I have I have problems with it because they weren't able to execute it in a sophist, in a sophisticated fashion at all. Right. Like there was no quality to their um, ability to execute it. And a lot of that can be drummed up to again, first game of the year or whatever kind of stuff you want to call it. Most of the stuff I saw them trying to do looked like if they were crisp enough, would have worked.
1: Would have but, worked to, would have worked to do what? To progress the ball from box yeah. to box or to score. Because I mean that's really what we're talking about. Like like I I am I don't have any problems. Uh, having faith in this and what this team does between the boxes. Like Peter Burmese has shown time and time again, that he has a team that can do the job. And that they never got
0: in the opponent's I know to be able to tell you that that, to be able to tell you that they could score at that. Like I'm
1: I'm sitting here looking at the heat map and I have never seen sporting Kansas City have a heat map like this. It's the, it's the umbrella of despair except it's it's, right. Right. It's like, and it's, and there's nothing in the center at all. And like, what the fuck is he is alan Polito even doing like i don't like what I mean, did he, he do was, i he mean was non-existent We. And, I, but, have this, but I mean this we is we can go is... there
0: now if you want to i mean it's part number four here but i was i was like i, I kind of did like a festivus thing like airing of grievances but Dude. alan palito's like he was he was hot garbage in this game. Like, Let's I, just be really, straight. Like he was hot garbage in this I game. I really like,
1: don't want to start out like the the first pod for the first game like <laughs> being negative and and but holy crap, man. Like like what what is even the point, honestly? And Johnny wasn't any better. I mean, both of those guys were subbed uh, early and they deserved to be subbed early. But if they weren't full game fit, then why did why did they even start? right? If they weren't full game fit and if you were going to sit back and not even really try to venture into the attacking third, then why are those guys on the field?
0: A reasonable question. I don't know the answer to it. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and try to like make um, excuses for the, the choices, except of course they were going to start because those are two of the highest played players on the team. Right. Um, I, and you know, one of them is your captain. The other one is your DP. Uh, so I mean, of course, they were going to play, right? Um,
1: <laughs> so then, then it gets right back to the to yeah. The game, I mean, it's, a, game it's a little bit but of a like,
0: it's a little bit of a vicious so, cycle. So right? I,
1: I wonder. So like, like if I had Peter Vermes' ear, I would say, like, I I really want to know, like, genuinely, how um, how Peter Vermes imagined. Uh, that his team was going to score on Saturday, like I I'm don't think curious. he
0: expected to get bulldozed in the midfield as badly as they did. Like that, I think that's part of the problem, right? And, and and in fairness, you know the only midfielder of any significant quality that Houston had on the field was Kairoskia, So I I think they expected to be able to have control there and didn't realize that instead it was going to be Benny Olsen running out a bunch of kids who were willing to run for days and and get into every passing lane and to get into every duel which is the kind of thing that sporting doesn't deal with very well right yeah. and so i mean the other thing is i mean yes houston did play on tuesday the tuesday prior but they also had one more game of full speed soccer under their belt that sporting true. did That's and true. you could see that they were much crisper their yeah, timing they were, they was better they were up for it their timing. Well, I, I don't know if it's a, I don't want to call it up for it. I don't think it was mm. that. I mean, I don't think it's like they d- they did. Maybe maybe it is, but I don't want to. I don't want to put it on a play. I'm like, I'm like a proper footballing
1: trying. from like a proper British footballing man. Yeah, we'll you just sound like like, try like harder fucking fucking Yeah, one of the
0: guys on the Premier League broadcast. <laughs> He's not up for it today. Uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that like guys weren't ready or weren't, well, they, they weren't ready, but I don't want to say the guys, the guys weren't mentally there and, 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 and giving their full effort.
1: They weren't I able to th- match the intensity. That's correct. That that's is,
0: that is an absolute fact. And I will agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I think that the, um, that their inability to have any type of midfield control, because what they were attempting to do from what it appeared to me was to keep a very low line of confrontation, close in the midfield. As soon as the ball progressed into that area, create a turnover and start progressing back the other way. Um, It's a, it's, it's not an uncommon way to look at, you know, playing on the road. It's not an uncommon way to use pressure. You're not, asking your 30, almost 34 and almost 33 year old forwards to high press all the time in the first game of the season when they're obviously not even an hour fit. Um, So I, I think that all of that was some of it was pragmatism and some of it was just smash and grab, try and get a result on the road tactics. And this is something where I will agree with you. And I've had some concerns in the past about Vermees is he's a little bit Cro-Magnon in his soccer philosophies at times. He does like to uh, copy, I don't think is, is the right word, but he certainly likes to utilize a lot of the game concepts that Pep Guardiola puts in play. And it does allow for some cool stuff to happen. The positional play stuff, everything, like all of that, when it's functioning, looks really good. We get sporting versus Chivas last summer, which, you know, we saw them do it to Toluca in their stadium in 2019. Like when it is on, it looks fucking brilliant. We're not seeing it on as much as we'd like anymore. There are too many teams that know how to bust up a positional play system because it's been around long enough. And um, they don't have the dogs on the team to deal with it. Manchester City can keep running a rotational positional play system which has but has migrated a fair bit in its design and ideas over time because they have fucking Rodri in the midfield. Yeah, makes a big difference. Huge difference. I mean and so like there, so I so for him to go into this sort of low line of confrontation narrow 4-3-3 thing with the some idea of like trying to collapse the midfield and create turnovers when they don't have any of the guys that are good at winning duels. It's kind of like it's, it's, it's like one idea is just sort of like the 30,000 foot view. This should work in a road match in Houston. And then the other is like, Hey, where's this tactician that creates these overloads that I love to see.
1: You know what I mean? Where's that guy
0: at when we're talking about this very sort of just like blunt instrument shit that he was doing. That's the, that's the kind of, Dichotomy that I struggle with with him because he is a very prepared person that thinks about the game very significantly and has a lot of interesting ideas about how to do it, and then we'll see this very just sort of um, non-inventive, boring ass shit, right? And and we watch him like, and, what and, is this?
1: And that's and and that's fine. Like there are, there are times um, in. In, in a season where you need that, but you have to have the players who do that, right? Just like you yeah. have to have, you have to have the players. If you're going to, if you're going to possess the ball and build out of the back, you have to have the players who can do that. And the team has those players, the team, but, but the team doesn't have the player or players that they need to sort of sit in like this and win the ball when they absolutely have to? They don't. They don't have that. And, and, I, have, want and they, I want to be careful. And they haven't about had the, that player. Yeah.
0: I want to be they careful have, about the sit-in thing, though, because
1: right, I, because people are going to think yeah, we're yeah.
0: talking about them sitting back. they no. Not. That's not. The, yeah. Really clearly, they were intentionally trying to collapse the midfield, create turnovers in the midfield. They don't have a midfielder that consistently creates turnovers right. in the midfield. They right. just don't have that person.
1: That's a problem.
0: Um, well, and, <laughs> and it's that, not a new problem. <laughs> and and that's something that Kellen Acosta would have fixed candidly. Yeah, yep. but um, he went to Chicago, and and I think that the the one thing I will say to Houston's benefit in this one is they very handily one niled St Louis last night in Champions Cup at home with basically the same lineup and all the same people missing. So. Um, I think that maybe, you know, their homegrown Brooklyn Reigns, this 18 year old kid, they've got some other guys that, you know, I mean, as much as Griffin Dorsey annoys me, he is a solid player, obviously. I think that they're where you and I get frustrated is we have not seen sporting get this kind of value out of those places on the roster historically and seeing another team do it so effectively against us is a, Mm -hmm. is a frustrating thing to watch when the highest paid players on the team can't seem to keep up with them. Yeah. Get you. I'm totally with you on that part of it. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for any of that. Okay. All of those things said, (laughs) I don't think it was that bad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know. I, and I, I like, there's part of me that realizes that I'm overblowing it, but it just, you know, uh, (laughs) it it just, it just annoys me. It's not fun
0: to watch the first game of the year. And um, I mean, this morning we're very lucky to come away with a one, one draw. Like they they, they did not deserve to score a goal. No,
1: Tommy's Tommy's goal is ridiculous. Like it's, it's, but it was created
0: by something that we'll get into later, which was that change. And was the space that was created by Mm -hmm, that change. mm -hmm, So, and this mm -hmm. is where I'll get to be more positive about what's going on. And we'll do that in tactical corner. Um, One of the key things that uh, I noted in the hit or maybe just a little bit earlier is that while Voltaire was on the left side. So flipping Voltaire and Tommy was, Uh, something we did not expect to see. I tried to come up with rationale for it. Um, The first thing I came up with was just, was it a defensive move to try and create more cover for that That seemed to make the most sense to me, especially if Tommy was going to be the midfielder you expected to get the most advanced that you would then have a midfielder who ostensibly is a better defender. I don't know how much better, but is ostensibly a better defender and more, more um, reserved in positioning to kind of keep cover for that. And obviously you've got Shallowey on that side too. I think between Voltaire and shallowey you would expect to be able to create enough cover for a player like Karski. He's going to get his, he's going to, he's really fucking good, man. I mean, you watch this game. Don't come away thinking that he's yep. one of, if not the best players on the field, yep. like you're out of your mind. I can't believe no one tried to buy him from Houston. Yeah. Like, And because he did this in the 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 uh, first the Champions Cup match in St. Louis, he was outside the boot and chip shots to people and doing all kinds of like crazy shit. Like this guy is good. He is well, and and
1: and and Houston knows that, right? And so Houston, Houston, you know, was constantly overloading that side of the field uh, to confuse Uh, of Sporting Kansas City's uh, defenders to free up Karraski. I mean, he's not getting free by accident, right? Um... Um, but Dorsey you have was to,
0: high a lot to yep. occupy Leibold and, you know, they're running a back three, but they've got their wing back overlapped significantly to occupy Leibold. No, it, it was, it was and, a it, very look, good Li- game plan.
1: And Leibold had a, had a, had a solid game by the numbers, you know, in terms of, you know, making tackles. He was a very busy defensive uh, presence. He was defensive. Um, he was
0: a de- busy defensive de- presence by requirement, not right, necessarily right. by, you know, not by design, but yeah. by requirement
1: so so it leaves the question you know would would the team have been better served by uh keeping Tommy over there and um and keeping their left-sided nature and forcing Karaskia to either flip sides or play some defense you know well or Dorsey forcing Dorsey to defend right yeah. like
0: that that's the thing and i think that's what they tried to do in the playoff game in Houston was um try to make dorsey come back a little bit and it just didn't work so maybe that was the thing is like peter's like well that didn't work i'm not gonna do the same thing again and let's try something different um the the other thing that um i just the thing that i noticed and i, I had noticed this before when they moved tommy to the right side in the middle of last season when he was struggling a lot and trying to do too much is that um both obviously johnny and then um, most definitely a free throw when he came on. Those wingers are, are inverting a lot less. They're a lot less narrow. than. Sha- I mean, shallow is cutting in a lot, and he's cutting in diagonally a lot, and that can kind of step right over Tommy's run. We, we've noted that before, that they would have that problem. I think with him on the right side, there's a lot more space for him to play into, which maybe is some part of what's going on there. The other thing, and we can get to this now, I guess, I thought Jake Davis looked really good in this game. And I thought that he looked, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't crisp. Nobody was crisp, but I thought that he was um, much more aggressive getting forward and um, was underlapping and inverting sometimes when he did it, as well as um, like creating, getting into space and creating problems for defenders to cover him um and playing combinations we didn't see him playing last year we we were hoping that his game would evolve you know he's a he's a converted midfielder so you were hoping eventually he'd start showing his passing skills and his, his interest in playing through the midfield and I think we saw a lot more of that in in the in this game we were just talking before we started the pod about position maps when's the last time you've seen Jake Davis position higher than the left back on average positioning yeah I mean, that doesn't, especially someone like Leibold. Now, part of it was there were no overlaps happening on the left side, and there was never really a whole lot of time for Leibold to get ahead and provide service, which is a separate problem that I think they need to figure out a solution to because that is Leibold's cheat code, right? That is his ability to provide service from that side is one of his extremely high-quality traits. So you kind of want him in there doing that if he's on the field. But still, Davis was a lot more aggressive. I, they were very, mo- they were much more right-sided in their in their attack, and I was happy to see him adding some more to his game. He still did Jake Davis things like lose the ball and then go into immediate recovery mode and go get it back. You know what I mean? Like he 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 did those kinds of things that you you become familiar with over the last year with him playing the position and doing it in sort of a defensive manner. But there was more offensive nature to his play, I thought.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I um, I thought he played fine. Um, Honestly, I thought I thought really the back line played fine. I did not have any problems with um, with for for the most part with what they did. I mean, I I do think that uh, I do think that I've come to the to the point where I I think that there's more maybe shared blame on on uh, on the goal maybe than you do but we can talk about that later oh no no, let's talk about it now I think there's plenty there's plenty of blame to go around okay okay okay. I I agree with you completely I
0: I I am most frustrated with Fontes because I see him do this too much too much yeah he he crashes when there's no need to
1: yeah there was nobody around him
0: who the fuck is he covering?
1: Yeah, he is, he was not covering anybody.
0: <laughs> so I understand and, why everybody's upset with Leibold in the 70th minute, like jogging around. I get that. I understand that. Part of it was because, as you note, know, he had been defending so heavily for 70 minutes that he was a little in the tank. He was, and he, was
1: he was he was more advanced than than Shallowy and Tommy. Like right before that happened, right? Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and 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 then he. Um, he didn't recover all the way back, and I, that's you know that's maybe his problem. He didn't hustle back, but but you know in in a in a when, when you have veteran players in a situation like that, one of Shallowy or Tommy shallowee or, shallowee or not Tommy, Tommy, not Tommy, yeah. Voltaire. Uh, uh, Voltaire probably needed to to just pick up that voltaire right. uh, should have
0: rotated yep. into that space and, for sure and, i like, don't think voltaire expected Fontas to vacate it i think that's part of the problem right i don't think either of them expected Fontas to vacate the near right. post there but the other problem was um shallowy is taking griffin dorsey if you watch that play he's right. covering yep. griffin he's, dorsey he, wide yeah shallowey so did what
1: he was supposed to do it he was covered the it man was, he's supposed to it was a mis- miscommunication between uh voltaire and um and libeled and libeled, yeah
0: right And all of it's happening behind Fontas as usual, because he never checks his shoulder and he collapses when he shouldn't. And so that's why I get mad at Fontas for that play is because he does this a lot. Like this is not, this is a feature, not a bug, right? right? He just loses backside runners all the fucking time. Yeah. So that's why I get mad about it. But realistically, um, I think Vermees said in the the post game press conference, his frustration was the team defended a little bit too narrow. And I, wholeheartedly agree with that mm-hmm. assessment yeah he's like I I didn't like it I thought they were a little bit too narrow I agree with that completely the cross that Karskiya hits over that where Jake is already defending narrowly as well I'm not even mad at Jake for his positioning there because no. the ball's nowhere near him <laughs> yeah and he's trying to make sure that nobody's making a darting run along that side of the 18 that yep. from the midfield right so yep. like I, I don't have a problem with it the thing is the ball is so good from Karskiya yeah and then the header back across is also so fucking good that it's just like, unless you're defending it perfectly, that's a goal.
1: Yeah, I I, I um I personally think that uh, that Melia could have done better, and I think yep. that I think that a different goalkeeper, um like like. Yeah, over
0: overpursues. Uh, we know this
1: well, and he 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 does not have the lateral quickness that that he once did, and he was mm-hmm. kind of his feet were kind of getting uh, stuck underneath him a little bit, and he didn't he didn't time his jump. He's not like an he's not John Polskamp, right? He's not going to go up and claim those balls. That's never been part of his game, um, and you know, frankly, if 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 Polskamp is is goalkeeper, uh, uh, this goal probably doesn't even happen. Um, and that's not to say that Pulse Camp should be playing over Melia, but when you have Tim Melia in goal, you have to realize that, you know, th- these are the, this is the weakness. And we've seen this in the, in past years, the, the, the back post, um, 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 has been a problem for back this post team. Back
0: post-headers have been killing this team for yep. fucking five years. Right, and By and, the way, and, and, the, the and, entire time that Andrea Fontas has been playing left-center back, back well, post-headers and, and, have been and killing
1: it. Emilia, and Emilia has been a goalkeeper over that time, too. I mean, it's yeah. like they, they both share some responsibility for that. So, I mean,
0: but Seattle did it to us like three times in a row last yeah. year, if you remember. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I just like... I, I I just don't understand why everyone was like so intent on blaming Tim Liebold for not aggressive. I mean, don't get me wrong, if that's Logan and Denbe, he's probably closer to that play, but I don't know that he's close enough to make right a substantive difference in what happened.
1: Yeah. Well, uh the, the fans and the gripers are in uh early season mode too. So let's yeah, give everybody that's a good
0: true. chance to get warm. Up. Well, you are you were too for the first twenty minutes of this podcast, so we're gonna give everybody No man, I bit.
1: am not I'm in mid season mode, man. I'm ready to <laughs> I'm I'm out for blood. Are you kidding me? I'm I'm in playoff mode already. I, <laughs> I, as far as I'm concerned, this team should should you know. be be rocking it out right out the gate this podcast
0: Um, might be a long one tonight folks (laughs) if cody's in mid-season four um but yeah i i mean the as i said on social media the goal was annoying i don't think that it's particularly a major concern of mine like it was in a very crisp sequence it's hard to defend yes i'm frustrated by the fact that it is the same type of goal that this team tends to give up Yep. But I don't expect that to immediately stop happening all of a sudden. And um, yelling and screaming into the ether certainly isn't helping. So unless unless you need the catharsis that comes with it. But um, yeah, I, I that was of the things that happened in this game that frustrated me. That was low on the list. Yeah, honestly, um, there's a lot more just, just in the way that the team executed the complete uselessness of the two veterans on the front line. Uh, I just like that kind of stuff really frustrated me.
1: Uh, I mean, there, we'll were, t- there were, there was, uh, there was a lot of times in the first half when it felt like the team just could not even get out of their own house. That's true.
0: That's a fair it point. Was, they were, they were definitely playing out of the back. Very, um, um, to, they look like 2019 us men's national team trying to play yeah. out of the get back against Mexico. Like You're it just was losing the of, ball
1: over and over again. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Man,
0: if you're going to commit, if you're going to commit to this, you better have some better ball handlers and passers back there. And they just don't have them
1: or a better hold up forward. Or, I mean, there's lots of ways that we can go with this, right? I mean, it's just, well, but he
0: wasn't dropping back to receive there either. I think he had one touch back in the, in the, in the, in the the defensive third, I think in the whole game, like, so if you're going to do that and use him as a fulcrum, he's got to be dropping back deeper to receive that pass um i don't want to compare i don't always want to compare things i see to other teams i watch but it's it's just natural for me to do it because it just reminds me of things that i watch regularly it looked like they were trying to pull off sort of a tottenham pass around the back until the until the pressure collapses and then go behind it type of thing. Yeah, right. Like I mean,
1: that's great, right? Like I'm all for that. Let's do that.
0: They couldn't execute it.
1: But the pro but you have to have players who can do that, right? I mean yeah. and 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 uh the I movement
0: don't... the reason I bring that up is because the movements were there. Like I said, right. I saw that uh fullback to midfielder to winger sort of out in out like quick pass pattern that yep. I've seen yep. Tottenham use a lot with a yep. especially when the midfielder pulls like shows to with a guy on his back and then and then like literally one touches it around himself to the winger like i saw that movement several times and i think if they can pull it off they're going to break pressure and get out on the run which could be cool yeah um but they just weren't they didn't they weren't capable of executing i mean
1: if they're if they're going to do that then then um then Polito and Russell really have to up their game because they, they, they have to be ready to go, you know, and, and, and they weren't, and they, um, you have to, you, you, you're not playing to feet in those instances. You're, you're stretching the line. You're trying to, Mm -hmm. to, to cause problems for the back line. And, and that didn't happen as we know until after, uh, after we made subs and and it was it was like an immediate effect you could tell that that the yep. the whole thing had changed
0: well and there was immediately runs behind right and and i i just think that that is and there was a forward pressing the center backs like we'll we'll get all to this here in yeah. a second yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah 100% Sorry. i'm with you i'm with you um all right let's before we get to all of the other things that happen on the field let's talk about what else happened this week Uh, Media Day happened at Children's Mercy Park yesterday, where they finally announced all of the upgrades that are being uh, implemented at Children's Mercy Park, one of which is a um, state-of-the-art video display system, both uh, behind the South Goal as well as um, above the Kind of like that little sort of glass door area towards the uh towards the member stand and then both of the main um, led banners on the east and west stand have also been upgraded with uh this new led technology um i have it on fairly good authority that this is like some next level high-tech shit that they put in there that is like unlike anything that any mls team has i think some of the stuff is the first that any of it's been implemented in the united states so it's actually pretty, you know, um, high end or, or high end is not what I'm looking for. It is very uh, advanced technology for um, creating in-game experience and whatnot. So um, something I think you had mentioned to me last year when we were kind of bemoaning the fact that things had become sort of staid and boring and not really that interesting at Children's Mercy Park was how vibrant and cool things were at, in, in St. Louis. and how you know the light shows and just the way that they go about making game day experience in in the stadium really cool um this is sporting kansas city responding to that um putting in a fairly advanced system for um display as well as all of the lights have been replaced with leds so they can do the 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 light shows and things like that as well i don't know how much everyone cares about that kind of thing i kind of think it's fun if they do it right Um, I'm excited to check out. I'm certainly going to be out in my seats for player intros uh, for the game on Saturday just to see what's going on, because I suspect that there's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening.
1: Can you Uh, can can you confirm that they're also uh, uh, putting in a uh, crab Rangoon vending machine? I cannot, but
0: I can confirm that they are. uh, There's a self pouring beer station.
1: That's going to, that's going to go yeah, well. one of the, no, one of them, one of, them's one. In,
0: one of them's in the <laughs> members club. So uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I, I, I think a lot of this stuff, I mean, having sat in the cauldron for many years, one of the most annoying things was how long it took to get a beer every time you go yeah. back there. So I, I think it is actually good for them to try to improve experience in that regard. <laughs> um, they had a number of concession updates as well, different, yeah. The the dot dogs are coming, I guess, um, what, along with what's the, that? I don't know. I'm not from Wyandotte County. Okay, it, it, it's some sort of Wyandotte County thing. Okay, um,
1: like it's food, like hot dogs.
0: It's a it's a hot dog. So the okay. dot dogs is like a it's a hot dog vendor, and they have I guess they're gonna have carts all over the place, and they're oh, just all like right. all these kind of like cool different um, style hot dogs.
1: Okay, I'm I'm. uh I'm, I'm open-minded about these things.
0: I'm not a big hot dog enthusiast, so no, I don't. Neither know. am I. <laughs> I don't know, but there were a number of additional. Um,
1: hey, it's it's going to take a damn good hot dog to make me give up my lt two uh, uh, pregame ritual. So LT, oh yeah, I
0: mean, as I as I said last week, if you're going to the game for the food <laughs> options. <laughs> i don't know who the fuck you are because right. no one goes to the game for the f- I, and i no. like i get i get why people have been like frustrated by the like change in different things there and and it's not it's not it, it's become boring and not as fun and all that kind of thing i get all that but the concessions are not the reason that people
1: they're not but i'm telling you like like the concessions at both LA stadiums, the concession concessions at, um, at Atlanta and in Austin, all um, four of those good. were like next level. They were fantastic. Weren't they
0: also like expensive as shit? Um
1: like, I don't, is hey, somebody going to pay $30 Drew,
0: for a taco in Kansas? Drew, City? I
1: was on vacation. I didn't really pay attention to how much <laughs> well, <laughs> they cost. I was well, like, carne asada fries. I'm let's go.
0: <laughs> I'm just telling you right now that, if they were to implement the same type of concessions that are at LAFC stadium and charge the amount that is charged in LAFC stadium, everyone would lose their fucking minds instead about how much it costs. <laughs> so like, there are some, there's some you stuff where you, people are you, just going to be mad about this. That's
1: accurate. That's accurate.
0: I mean, I I've been to many Royals games and there's nobody fucking there and a hot dog there costs $20. And it's, right. just, you know what I mean? Like I it just, I'm, I, I get I get where people are coming from I'm not trying to say that you're uh that their uh concerns aren't valid but I'm saying that like I, how important is this to you really like wouldn't you rather have a really fun experience at the game and a really fun team on the field like I feel like those things are much more important than hey, um, do I have a cool food option at the at the thing? And can I just walk up and get it whenever I want? You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. Trust I'm me. With you. I I'm had with the, you.
0: I had the biggest fucking Michelada I've ever seen in my life at the Galaxy Stadium. Mm-hmm. Like they serve like a 64 yeah. ounce Michelada, yeah. dude. It's amazing. You got to suck unreal. it down
1: quick because you got a paper straw. But, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> or, just, that's, or you're just drinking. Well, I was drinking it out perfect. Of the perfect because
0: you got to eat because you got the real the glass with the the tahini on it so you need to have the you need to get a little bit of the the tahini mixed in with your michelada while you're drinking it anyway i digress um there have been some upgrades i think jake reed was pretty you know clear about the fact that he heard about a lot of these concerns when they were brought up and in the town hall in the spring of last year and they have made changes
1: Hi, are they gonna you, please you, everyone
0: no you but, forgot and, to mention
1: too that heart is gonna be uh um no longer. And I did it. not even. I So I
0: saw that on the discord today. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even heard that. I mean, so,
1: he uh, he announced it. So,
0: I mean, I believe him. I, I'm again, like, I'm just going to tell you, let's wait and see how um, intros go. pre yeah. game intros go on Saturday. Um, I, I'm not saying that Hartzell. I, I'm not I, look, I, I know Hartzell. I'm I don't know if I call myself a friend of his, but I know him and we're cool. I don't want him to be not having employment yeah, <laughs> like I get that, 100%. That, that, that's that's not cool but I also think that the club has some cool ideas in mind for how to engage fans and they're probably more in line with my type of thing that I enjoy so I'm interested in that um, as much as I like Hartzell the um, crazy screaming players names is not really my vibe yeah so um, but maybe it is someone else's we'll see maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority on that one I don't know
1: um, um, I, I think that the the point is that there's it's going to look different, like right. It's uh, mm-hmm. the, the the game day experience is going to be a little bit different, and that's uh, and that's good. Uh, that that means the club has listened to fans and listened to complaints that that were made last year, and they're acting on it. and uh, I think that that um, that's a good thing, and and we can wait and see in, uh, on how effective those things are. But yep. I mean, you can't you can't stay the same. I mean, I mean that that was part of the problem, right? They 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 did not keep freshening up, and um, and you got to do that when you're uh, when you have a public facing um um business and entity like like a, a sports team you gotta keep things uh fresh <laughs> this but, this is the 15th year the stadium right. is open yeah. dude isn't that's, that wild that is so crazy man i don't I I wow it's isn't great. that crazy man
0: so yeah, yeah or is it 14 might be the 14th year but anyway still it's a long effing time and it's it's a that Yeah, you've got to reinvent yourself. you got to keep it fresh. you got to pe- keep people interested. That's something you and I have been discussing for a while about trying to keep fans engaged, get new fans engaged, make the experience something that people want to participate in. That is what the club is trying to do. You may disagree with how they're trying to do it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to accomplish that. And it could be somewhere else where they're just like, fuck you, we do whatever we want. And yeah. I think that the fans have felt that way for a little bit. Yep. And all I'm saying is, is like, I don't think that's what's happening right now. I think yeah. that they are listening and trying to, trying to create an experience that people enjoy. And we'll just have to see if it works out. And if it, it doesn't, they'll make, they'll make adjustments and they'll keep working on it.
1: One thing that I, that I had um, kind of thought that you and I hadn't mentioned, I mean, we've been kind of critical of, of like the supporters groups and, and, um um, the lack of atmosphere provided by them and, and, you know, the, the, the relationship that the club has with that. But I mean, I think part of the, I I think part of that stems from like a, a, a very conscious effort on the part of the club to, um, to really cater towards, um, like families and kids. Um, and, and I think maybe, I don't, I, I, they didn't mean it obviously, but I think they maybe, maybe like eventually that sort of like devolved into something that, that, um, that the younger, hipper uh, adult crowd didn't yeah. want anything to do with.
0: It's a little too PG for everybody's taste. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, the cauldron has always been a rated R section as we've known, right? Yeah. Like you don't yeah. mean, bring, bring your kids down here at your own risk. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that, um, that's a fair assessment. Like if you go to a chief's game, yeah, no one cares. Good. No one cares yeah. at the chief's game. If your kids are good or not, it is
1: Lord of the flies at a chief's game, man. It is mm-hmm. anarchy.
0: And I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily great, right. but it does. There is an atmosphere there. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that, you know, so there's something to be said for maybe there's some balance to be found. I don't mm-hmm. think sporting wants to create a situation where parents are like concerned about bringing their kids. Right. There, right. Absolutely but you certainly want it. You want to make it so that people want to be there and the people that can create the atmosphere feel like they want to be there. Yep. Um, That that's key. So at any rate, lots of upgrades to the, to the park. We will get to see them live on Saturday and I'm excited to see kind of how they put them to use. Uh, There was obviously also media availability for a number of people, number of players, Um, If you guys follow Zach Cobb, he got some some fun, uh, just sort of recorded interviews with Johnny Russell and Memo Rodriguez. I think um, Casey Soccer Journal, uh, Robert Russert maybe put up an article with a bunch more. Uh, There may be some other stuff on Casey Soccer Journal as well. I, I apologize. I haven't read all of it yet. Um, I'm sure I'll get a nasty message from Chad, including, uh, to, to piggyback off of how I pronounce Nemanja Radia's name, but, um, we'll talk about that here in a second, but, um, no, for real, they, they, they've been compiling a lot of, uh, information on that and please continue to support Casey soccer journal because it's like, and the Casey star, because those are really the only local outlets that are regularly covering this team and providing you information on them outside of us idiots recording a podcast. So they are and uh, they're
1: also nice guys, too. So they that, are super, yeah. super
0: cool dudes. Yep. So, yeah, Um I know there's a bunch of that information there. And then, uh, like I said, Zach's got some of it on his Twitter feed as well. Zach's uh, not so
1: much of a nice guy. Actually. No, no. I,
0: I We did not include him in that. But, that, though, but,
1: that, but that's part of his charm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um w- The couple things I wanted to pull from what I heard there. The first was um, which I thought was good, because I think you and I talked about this last week, which was do we know if anything's going on with the sporting director role Mm -hmm. is someone trying to sign a sporting director? And that was addressed head on during this press conference. Peter made a comment, I think, to the to the to the effect of. And this is not verbatim, but it was to the effect of I don't want to be in the contract negotiating business anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was instructive, like not only. Are are they trying to take it away from him? He doesn't want to do it like he's he's done messing with this part of the business which i feel like is is kind of interesting i mean i'm i'm all for it but i thought it was an interesting statement for him to make and then uh uh cody bradley one of the casey soccer journal guys uh hosts the shades of blue podcast uh followed up and said you know is that sporting director search ongoing he said and they confirmed that it was and it was something they were continuing to try and find uh a, a person for so i think that um that's good to hear i don't know how far along they are in that process but it sounds like peter wants this shit off his plate and candidly if they're going to be successful in the summer transfer window, signing a dp adding to this roster where they have some capability to do so they need to get that person in as soon as possible so hopefully that is progressing
1: i think um go ahead no, I, I mean I was just gonna agree with you. If you're if you're going to to spend money on uh, on a DP this summer, that that has to have that person has to be in and doing <laughs> doing the job, right? I mean that's a that's a big outlay of money, and that's uh th- those are you know boomer bust type of signings for MLS, and so it's something you got to get right. I'm just very hopeful
0: that it's someone that is using at least a data informed process for making decisions. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about this last week. Um, one of the things I didn't go over was kind of the the difference between data-driven and data-informed decision-making processes. Data-driven is using data basically to make your decisions for you. I don't, I, we, people can disagree whether that's a good idea or not, but you should at least have it informing your decisions and helping you define how you make decisions. This is a place where I think if you're not using it effectively to help you, you are falling behind comparatively if you look at what Tim Bezbachenko has done in Columbus versus what has happened to Toronto since he's left <laughs> and and Tim is a well-known data guy, like people, he's well known for, for using data analytics. I just, I'm, I'm saying like, I think that there are key executives out there that can help this team and help them recruit effectively. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that that's how they go about doing it. Um, Additionally, there was media available. Did anything pop out to you outside of, of just, you know, like I said, there were some quotes from some of the players. Um, Jake Reed talked about how you know his the his town hall sort of informed how they went about making some changes this year. I don't I don't know if there was anything else that popped out to you.
1: No, nothing. Nothing really popped out to me. I I didn't like read or follow everything. Just sort of the the highlights on social media, and um, you know, a lot of it's just sort of you know media speak anyway. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever.
0: That's why I actually thought Zach's were interesting because he pushed a little bit more of an interesting manner as to like, you know, kind of getting some additional thought out of these guys about how they respond to stuff. Um, specifically, his, he had a, a conversation with Tim Melia and got Melia to kind of say, hey, look, St. Louis has really developed a great atmosphere. And e- Emilia even said, he's like, trust me, after we had been there once, it became a thing that like every player, every, you know, every player, all the owners, all the staff, they've got this one marked on their calendar. Like they're, we're ready for this one. Like this is real. He, and he even said, he's like, you know, we almost had, you know, we sort of had one with Houston sort of had one with RSL, but it was never really not. He's like, dude, this is real. This is a real rivalry. We're all mm-hmm. fired up. He's like, we could both be last in the standings. I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly what he said, but it was along those lines. And I thought like those kind of quotes are cool. Like it, I, yeah. I appreciate getting a little bit more contacts and a little more interest. And that's why it said, even though we're not saying Zach Cobb is a nice guy, you go follow him on Twitter and, and read and listen to his, uh, his, uh, he's,
1: he's not a nice guy, but he is a good guy.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I still think that's being <laughs> um, too kind.
1: Uh, we'll seriously, though, uh, like I I didn't know that he had done that, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't for some reason, uh, seen those. And so, I'll go search him out and, um, and, and hopefully it's something that he does more in the future. Cause I mean,
0: somehow, Casey Soccer Journal got him into media day. I, I was like, Zach Cobb's not media, <laughs> like I was at this thing, <laughs> but he was there. No, he,
1: he probably just snuck a, a recorder in with his, uh, with his, um, his camera you know i
0: mean maybe he did i don't know but um all of the like the sound bites have the kc soccer journal logo on them so i assume that
1: that's well that's good there.
0: yeah okay um what else uh there was an article by paul Tenori this week about uh updates to potential updates to mls roster rules salary cap all those things that are extremely difficult and crazy to understand that require me spending a two hour podcast every year to update you on. Um, and even then you're probably still obsessively confused about how, what any of it means. There, uh, was an attempt at the end of last season. I want to say it was right around all-star game. So that's what like July, August timeframe. Um, during the board of governors meeting there to potentially try and put some rules in place to uh, update the roster rules, maybe relax them a little bit. Fourth DP was floated. There's a variety of things and eventually nothing really changed. Right. (laughs) And I think, and and a lot of people were frustrated by that and um, what I had heard and was now reported by the athletics. So it's good to know that when you hear something, it's real that um what I had heard was more that they didn't want an incremental change they wanted something more significant and that the proposals that were put forward were too incremental in nature and would create a, more restrictions long term and it would just it would not be a long-term positive for how they want to go you know into the future with these roster rules. so they actually took a step back and decided to like look at it further And they have since updated what was known as the product strategy committee, which Mike Illig was a part of, Uh, Dan Hunt, well, Clark Hunt, really. Clark Hunt is a part of it um, because his family owns FC Dallas. Um, Merit Paulson, a variety of other folks that I've mentioned before, were on this committee. They have since changed that committee and added to it. Now it is called the product and competition committee. There's like 12 owners on it now. So 12 or 13 of the 29 teams are represented on it including Jorge Mas, owner of Inter Miami, who has been very vocal about pushing for much more aggressive change to the salary rules. But there are a number of additional owners that are more aggressive in their spending that have been added to this committee. Um, Mike Illig is still on it, Mary Paulson still on it, the hunts are still on it. So it's still the product strategy committee with some additions. And they are tasked with coming up with a, a more robust Um, upgrade plan to the roster rules for 2025. And I think it makes sense for them to, if they're going to be a little bit more aggressive about the change for them to take some time and then do it in the right manner so that teams have appropriate time to prepare for it. A lot of teams have made contract decisions and DP slot allocations and international slot allocations and all the different things that exist in the roster rules. They've made those decisions based on an expectation of rules being static or having limited adjustment. So if you're gonna make those changes, you need to give times and sporting directors time to adjust to them and take advantage of them effectively. Not just do it because one team has one guy they want to sign that it would would that would benefit from this. So I think that all of that prudence was probably okay. If it ends in this significant change that they're promising, I'll I'm in wait and see mode on that one. But. Um, Sporting Kansas City's ownership, obviously Mike Gillig is is a part of this committee and in participating in these conversations. Um, And I think what their executive vice president, the MLS executive vice president said was that there's a very good mix of old owners, new owners, more conservative owners, less conservative owners to kind of round out ideas so they can come up with something that everyone will come out of and agree to.
1: OK, so that's fine. It's a it's a day late and a dollar short, I I fear. Right. I mean, um, that why do, you, second, why do you say that? Because because the second that Messi um, was going to be signed, the second that that was clear that this committee should have been um, up and going um, because it's it's a it's a. Do one- you think
0: do you think any teams outside of Miami were ready to make an investment like that?
1: Well no but but you have to prepare teams right right so now like there's like they we we wasted the last the 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 last half of last season and this off season window all of that is time that's gone and and just now they're getting their act together and so now whatever roster changes they make aren't going to go uh, into place until next season. It's it's like ridiculous, man. Come I, on. I
0: promise I'm not being argumentative about this. I don't think Messi being in the league has any difference has any difference on how who Sporting Kansas City can sign. I think it has a big difference in who Inter Miami can sign. That's how they got Federico Redondo. There's no fucking way that guy signs in MLS right. if in, if Messi's not on that team. But he doesn't sign for LAFC. He only signs for Miami. So like, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't, I think more what they need to do is create a revolving door of this level of player coming into the league. Right. And obviously my Messi is, he's
1: uh, so, a unicorn, so, so, right? so so again but so but, again what why what why has this taken so long like i mean sure, none of these I teams none of
0: these, te- none of these teams were ready to make that investment and so if you were to okay here's the deal and and, and i i firmly believe this there are enough teams out here that would fuck this up that it would hurt the <laughs>
1: league seriously yeah. No, I hey, I I know. Just look at like you know Charlotte and Chicago and oh my god, you know, those, those mean, are teams. Those are although, teams that spend money and they're still I mean, terrible. One, so. one
0: game sample, but Charlotte under Dean Smith looked really fucking good. <laughs> I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I don't I don't have a whole lot of high thoughts of Dean Smith as a coach, and I I, I will admit, at least after a one game sample, that I was wrong about that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just saying that there are enough teams that will light money on fire if they aren't yeah, but, if but they
1: aren't because because what would Who happen? Cares? who cares at this point because if it because the, they, the league's the league's not going to go under it's right? not going to go they, under but you could end are not going to get bu- relegated you could
0: end up with owners trying to dump their teams
1: okay there's 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 lots of people who want to buy teams
0: i don't think it's as i don't i don't i i'm i think that i without camping for the the league I think that having a just a semi reasonable plan for how you're going to do this versus a Messi's here, well, let's just take the shackles off.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Well, I'm saying that they waited too long to make that plan. That's what like they're they're just like right now, they're like, oh well, maybe we should get together and make a plan. No, man. You should have been doing this. You should have been doing this at the end of last season. That's a fair
0: assessment. Like, well, and they've been, I mean, Jorge Mas has been trying to sign Messi since 2021, right? Right. As soon as as the smoke maybe as soon as the smoke started happening, they should have been like, okay, how do we respond? The momentum,
1: the, the momentum of the league is pushing in one direction. Right, really, truly, it's in one direction. The w- when you factor in, you know, the 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 uh, the Copa Americas and the World Cup and Messi, all of those things are pointing to the fact that man, you 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 gotta you gotta have a plan to take advantage of all of those things. It's not just Messi; it's the whole thing. It's 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 the whole level, uh, 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 an increased visibility and excitement around the game in this country. That's inevitable when you have that stuff. And and if you're not if you're not, you know, if you're if you're not on the front foot, you're gonna get left behind.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's. Um, I understand where you're coming from, like being aggressive about it. Um, I think that there. I think that most clubs' sporting departments aren't as effective at ensuring the quality of player they're signing is worth it. <laughs> or not right. yeah <laughs> and then effectively and fits a game model they're playing and it's something that can there's be no effective there's no the
1: salary cap on on you know the, the no,
0: no, co- no 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 but this is my point okay on your staff right yeah so, but right well that's a whole separate conversation right like <laughs> h- h- hiring a yeah there, and i had this conversation last week i think there's sporting kansas city included there are too many clubs that don't invest enough in places where they don't have a salary cap and can be more effective about utilizing those resources, and, and it's a competitive advantage if you do it right. And enough, too many teams aren't taking advantage of that. Um,
1: but did you know? Did you know that MLS has a uh, uh, um, an unknown role that you can't um, you can't hire a set piece coach <laughs> to be a set piece coach. You can hire That's- him to manage your whole team, but you can't hire somebody just to coach set pieces. <laughs> it's True. <laughs>
0: Cody's being salty right now because that was another thing that was really terrible. Did you see Houston playing for long throws in like the second minute? And I'm like, like God man. damn it. <laughs> I was like, I know how this game's going to go. <laughs>
1: I am I'm not I am not joking at all. If my team if I if I was coaching a team that was playing against Sporting Kansas City, I would literally say, you know, I want every ball to be I want every ball to be a a, a, a headable ball at the back post and I want to always be playing for uh first set pieces and because if we play both for, sides if, of the field. Make if them if we, take right, set pieces right and make right, them defend set right. pieces. Because that's what we can win, right? Like that's an easy way to win a game against oh, okay so Sorry, anyway, I didn't mean to.
0: It's probably it was probably good because it changed the subject. We don't need to go on and on about uh, billionaires complaining about how they spend their billions.
1: Um, so,
0: l- last thing before we move to tactical corner, I was um, I was approached by a friend of the pod, Chad Smith, yesterday about apparently he was still trying to adjudicate how um, a certain player in sporting Kansas City's name was pronounced. This was something that I went through, geez, was it? it was like a year ago when we signed him and I looked at the phonetic spelling and I've literally like listened to him say it from his mouth to ensure that I was saying it correctly. This is our number six, his name, and I'm going to say it the way he says it one time because I'm not fucking Serbian and I'm not going to try to sound like I'm Serbian when I say something. But this is how he says his name. It is Nemanja Radija. That is how he says his name. Okay. Sometimes when we say radia as an anglicized version of it, it might sound a little bit like as opposed to rad- Radoya, it sounds like radia. Okay, sorry if that happens, but I promise you what I'm more annoyed with is no one can figure out that you're not supposed to emphasize a second syllable in his name. It is not Radoya. That is not his name. <laughs> his name is radia. We went through this a year ago. I can't believe I'm having this conversation again, but here we are. So um, I that's I, don't,
1: it. I don't know that you had the conversation over the pod. You and I had the conversation because okay. I kept, I kept, uh, I pronounced it like 10 different ways. Uh, so uh, I finally settled on whatever you were doing. So I, I hope you're right. Cause I followed you blindly.
0: I quite literally have had him say it to my face. So I feel fairly confident in that, but you know, Maybe he was fucking with me.
1: You can't Remember trust Serbians. That. That's, uh, that's, that's true. true.
0: Have you met Zoran Savage? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's 100% true. That's a joke, by the way. Not <laughs> someone's going to hear this and take that way out of context. All right. Tactical Corner. Our weekly deep dive into the tactical side of the game and how Sporting Kansas City is employing those tactics on the field. Let's talk about this game against Houston. We covered a lot of this already, so I don't think we need to spend another 25 minutes on it. But... The narrow four, three, three, I thought when I saw this at first, it was the four, four, two mid block, like waiting for pressure and then playing off of it. It was not they were. I mean, the front line was pressing with three sort of. I mean, they weren't really pressing, but that they were in a four, three, three. Defensive shape, which is new. I don't know that it was good, (laughs) Um, but it was new. the philosophy was very similar to the um, to the game in Houston last. I guess it was October, right? Was it game in October, or November? I can't remember. November, I guess. Because um, yeah, it was at was it after the, the FIFA break? So it must have been in November. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because everybody got really mad about that. Remember after the three game series mm-hmm. and everybody was like, oh, we got to take a two week break. Um, OK, so last November. In Houston, they the, the 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 ideas were the same, which were um, allow Houston to possess, try to collapse the midfield, try to take control. It was even more ridiculous when Ace Ace and Kokarski were in there, but it didn't it, it worked about just as well in this game. Um, is this a road tactic? This I mean we've seen this low line of confrontation counter pressure once the ball or pressure once the ball reaches the midfield kind of idea before on the road, or was it a thing for Houston or I, I don't know. I'm not sure what I don't, I, I don't know.
1: Um, I, I don't know either. It's not, that's not a, uh, that's not a formation, uh, that you see a lot, uh, especially sort of, it's a, in, it's a weird that, that defensive mid-block.
0: formation. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, a few years ago, um, um, Liverpool played a very narrow 4-3-3, but they did so far way farther up the the pitch, and um, and they pressed the hell out of teams with it, and um, don't really see a team doing that with a bunch of thirty year olds. And so, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting wrinkle, and I, I'm kind of. Um, intrigued to see, uh, if, if we see it again and if it's a road thing or if it's a, if it's uh, something they're going to try and do a little bit differently. And, um, I, I don't, I guess I just, I don't like, I'm trying to think of like what the point would be. Um, and I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not really sure why, why you would do that. Um, unless it's specifically to, to Mark, like, you know, three center back teams or, um, that sort of thing, maybe you know. I don't know.
0: I I mean, I think having pressure with more than two forwards is probably good, especially given
1: how yeah, yeah, how yeah. The so teams so build out shapes I, are. I, like, I the, realize that. I just meant. I just meant like like I don't see us pressing a lot with these players, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we won't. Maybe this is more. I don't know. I I
0: I. Maybe the the thought is that you, if you have strong subs that you can bring in for the last half hour, they can. The, your thirty three year old guys can run longer. I, they didn't seem to be able to do it in this game. Um, but it the, the thing in this game now, the low line of confrontation is something we see on the road fairly often. This yeah. is not an uncommon thing for uh-huh. movies to do. Yeah. So I'll be quite interested to see how this looks on the road or on the. It's not on the road at, home. at home. Yeah. Because historically at home, he moves the line of confrontation up 10 to 15 yards. So that is going to be the thing that that is most interesting to me about how this game against Philadelphia goes. If he presses the forwards up, um, it could create a situation where they're able to get a lot of uh, turnovers in really advantageous areas. Um, it could make them highly susceptible to counterattack. Um, there's, there's a variety of things that can happen. The one thing I noticed was the, there were not a whole lot of times they pressed high. One of the times they pressed high when Voltaire moved up to, to cover pressure when the front line went up to, because obviously when you press, when you press high, you don't want 20 yards between your lines. You know, you need your, your lines need to move forward at the same time. So you stay compact and don't allow the ball to be played through. So when they did press high and Voltaire moved up and, uh, Karskia went straight behind him as soon as it happened. And then Rowdy is having to try to track him in space. In it, and that was where it created the whole situation that, um, that was it. Artur that had the chip shot mm-hmm. at the, at the yeah. near post that he missed. Uh, that whole play was created by, um, a rotation behind high pressure. So I have some concerns obviously about sporting's effectiveness to press higher out of this, out of this setup. I I don't know, I, I, it, to your point earlier, everything they were doing seems set up for a much more direct young fast team than they have, at least yeah. in their starting lineup is
1: yeah yeah it doesn't seem to suit their uh their dp striker that they just uh signed signed for three more years i don't i feel like a jerk because i'm so cynical about everything but it just like there are just things that don't make sense to me and i just i feel like i feel like i feel like either i'm just being a jerk or i'm just dumb because i don't understand like what's what what is being attempted here either on the field or, or in the, in the front office. And so so I'm just kind of confused
0: this. And this has been an ongoing thing with this club for several years now, where the, where the sporting director and the coach don't seem aligned, but they're the same person.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Right.
0: So it's like, wait, (laughs) wouldn't this be the ideal situation where the sporting director and coach are in dead alignment with what's going on, but sporting director guy sees player that's really good and says, I want to resign him. And coach is like, I'm gonna put in this tactical plan that makes no fucking sense for what his capabilities are.
1: Yeah, and I, I, it's, and it, it's crazy.
0: And again, this could this is a one game sample, one game on the road in Houston. Perhaps he was just trying something that was a tweak to the playoffs last year that he thought would work, and it you know it got the road draw, it got the result. I, I don't really like how it happened, but maybe he sees it and goes, yeah, that, you know, we got lucky to get that draw and we need to, you know, revert back to something else we were working on. I don't know. Um, but it did not seem effective at, well, let me put it this way. It was certainly not effective at creating meaningful turnovers. And it yeah. was certainly not effective at creating goal scoring opportunities. No, <laughs> um, it was semi effective at, not allowing houston to do too much but i I don't know if that was the tactical plan or just the fact that houston had no attacking players
1: right and so and so and so the team was playing narrow and so karaskia just drifted out wider and it it switched the field i mean like there the ways to undo that setup are pretty easy right and and they're so easy that houston found how how to do it very quickly and and so um so if the if the team was playing if the team was playing too narrow uh to suit peter Vermes like my question would be like why like like you know, well, spread also, them out, pull them out or, or take those players off of the field. Right. When, what, well, Agon, was he
0: also not ready for them to play with the back three? Because I felt like it was fairly obvious with their injuries yeah. that they were going to play with the back three with wing backs. Yeah, yeah. And this this setup seemed to be like set up for not having to deal with wingbacks. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, I mean, I mean, I mean Griffin like,
0: Dorsey was a problem this whole game. He, right. he was and, well, and because the, of the, team, the, the setup was so narrow.
1: Right. so so the wide areas were a problem like on both sides right because yeah because they were just overloading those areas and and um and and so you know if you have a team that's playing narrow at the outset um it 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 pulls them over and then and then spreads them apart and um you know if they'd have, if they'd have come out with their like you know standard you know four five one that you know we've seen them play for years and years. Um, you know, maybe they have more coverage in wide areas. I don't know. I mean it's all it's all conjecture, but it's just they're just things that don't make sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying not to overreact too much from one game because it's the first game of the season on the road against a, a weird opponent that was um I was a, was difficult for sporting to possess the ball against last year too. I just mm-hmm. think they're a bad I think they're a bad matchup seems that way um and so i'm I'm trying not to read too much into it um like i said the things i did like were the um ideas building out of the back and the out in out passing patterns like all that stuff looked good there were a number of circumstances i saw Radia get on the ball hit a freaking dime to Polito that he absolutely flubbed Um, there was, um, Jake Davis got out on the ball in space and inverted and Polito fucking got lost trying to cross him. Like just, I'm trying not to get on the Polito dump dumpster fire. You already did it, but he was terrible in this game. Um, both he and Johnny, we know just did not have good games. They looked old. They looked tired. It was not great. Okay. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, there were, there were structures that looked good and when, as I noted earlier, when those 59th minute substitutes, praise the Lord Jesus, those 59th minute substitutes came on, they changed the game. They yeah. immediately changed the game. I, I know that Afrifa, like on a stat sheet, did not have the greatest game. He, was, he looked like a kid playing his first meaningful MLS minutes that was just trying to not fuck shit up. And just trying to get into the game, and was you know just trying. He he didn't have his um, formed set of abilities available to him. That was certain. But his run behind that wing back is what creates the pass over the top. That 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 is exactly what these in out in or out in out patterns will create, and then the space that tommy ran into after winning the second ball on counter pressure was what his run creates all that space in the midfield uh nathan martin if you guys follow him on twitter or you don't but he's, he's a sharp dude he knows a lot about soccer he he was actually discussing this uh earlier this weekend about there being space for that run if they can get the if they can, you know, get the patterns in place. And sure enough, they did it. And it happened for two reasons, right? Afrifa's making that run and Willy Agata is occupying the center backs. He's pressing high and occupying center backs. So there is a bunch of space behind those guys for Eric Tommy to make that darting run. And yeah, he ends up having to take a shot by himself that goes to the legs of a guy. Don't get me wrong. Like the goal is insane. But what I liked about the sequence was more that these guys were pushing the, the defenders upfield. They're pushing them towards their own goal and allowing space for runners to come behind with the ball. And when you, as we've said for two plus years on this podcast, when you are have the ball at your feet, going at the opponent's goal, and their defenders are running facing towards it, good things happen.
1: Good yeah the, in those the, the the entire reason that that shot is a goal is because it happens in transition because you know the it, it, tommy shoots through like three guys right there are, there are three uh houston players surrounding him uh plus the goalkeeper um and um and if, if you do that against a set defense, someone's going to block it or the goalkeeper's going to be ready for it. Uh, but because th- everything's in motion, the players don't know. N- the, they're the, scrambling. The defense, the, they're scrambling. None of them are stepping to the ball. And um, and by the way, if I were a Houston fan, like, like just – Objectively speaking, like Houston's goal that they gave up is way worse than the goal that Sporting Kansas City up. Hundred uh, uh, percent I would be just livid, right? But anyway, um, um, the the entire reason that that that, that is a goal uh, is is that um, is that it takes everybody by surprise uh, because everybody's running at and the, and and those players are having to account for Tommy, but they're also having to account for the the three other players who are you know either in the box or or. About to be in the box um you it doesn't matter (laughs) like like when that is when when you're faced with that as a defense it doesn't matter if those players are like uh you know uh 10 million dollar designated players or not when when you're scrambling and you have players running at you in your own box it puts you in um in in a precarious position and when you are uh in that precarious position defensives make mistakes and goalkeepers make mistakes and that's what happened
0: it's it's w- the whole point of the game is to try to create advantages and try to create them as close to your opponent's goal as possible and that is what those guy those players did with their movement and with their runs i mean Afrifa immediately looked like twice as fast as Johnny Russell as soon as he got on the field. Like he was yeah. immediately just stretching.
1: He looked faster than, than Houston, too. I mean, he was yeah. just blown by people.
0: Yeah. I mean, it helps that they were 60 minutes into a game after having played, you know, a 90 sure. minute game on Tuesday and they're still sure. not fully fit. But yeah, he's, he's obviously, I mean, he's 23. He's, um, he's, you know, a, a tall, fast, direct winger. Um, I, I think he's an even more um, very wide direct winger than Johnny is. Johnny does like to cut in on his foot and like kind of, you know, create a free just down the line. Yeah. You know, just go down, burn down the line and get after him. Um, I'll I'll be interested to see what his service is like down there, because um, another thing that Nathan uh, had uh, tabbed in there was that. Willie is so good as a pressure forward that he um, he creates an outlet for an early cross. And um, I think the movement patterns that I saw are in a line with that type of play right where the the forward is crashing forward and trying to get into space for an early cross and you've got someone running back behind him again it's very tottenhamish the kind of stuff that the, the kind of stuff that they could do out of that sequence and it's fun soccer when it comes off like if those guys are drilled and at it, it I,
1: looks, I do I do like amazing. being an early cross like that. That, that that is a that's that's big time I like that
0: mm-hmm so and we know, we know Leibold is good at hitting these as well. Yep. yep. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if this happens more, but I think to your point, I don't see how it happens with Alan Polito on the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah, unless man. he's playing That's... in the
0: midfield. Like yeah. I, I don't see it, how it happens with him playing at center forward. So maybe this is the change of pace they can provide. And it's an, it's an insane change of capabilities between players. When when you go from Johnny Russell and Alan Polito to Steven Afrifa and Willie Agata, you have a completely different thing to defend as a defense. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do like that that shift and that ability to go at them with something completely different. Um, that is something again that we have discussed for several years, which is having the ability to put pressure on an opponent with substitutions, as opposed to having just direct like for like changes, having guys who can bring something new and different that will maybe unlock something that the previous players could not. Yep. And I do feel like you're going to get that with these guys.
1: It also makes those players, um, um, maybe better options to to change things up as starters too right um and so if you're if you're playing a team you know i mean let's just say though you you you, let's put this houston game in in july or whatever uh not that's uh maybe not the best example, but, you know, it's normally and, when we play right, them in Houston, right. So, so, and, and you're expecting to, to maybe sit back a little bit and, and, and maybe try and hit them uh, on the counter on the break. And, you know, you've played a, a, a month straight of games and, and Johnny Russell's, uh, you know, he could use a break and coming in off of the bench. Then you put a, you start a free fun and, and, and then you have, then you have like a, a, a a, a real tactical shift um that that can that can send a team scrambling especially a team you know coached by ben olsen who has coached against peter vermes for years and years and and who knows like everybody knows how the, basically how sporting is going to play like it's not a mystery right and so being able to really change things up from the outset uh can be helpful so i'm i mean, I, I was really I was really thrilled with the early subs. Like, I can't even tell you how Not just the fact that he made,
0: that made them. Me. But what the players yeah, 100%. did 100% like it, it, we there have been subs that have been made that have not done much. So <laughs> yeah. like I, and I also understand just seeing half an hour of a free for why he's playing over Chinese. It's pretty clear. Yeah. It's not hard to see. Um, so I get it. I get why that's happening, but um the uh it, it's I think that's that's an interesting perspective like yeah mid, middle of the season you're trying to switch something up on a team or you see how they you've scouted them after 10 weeks and you're like we might want to be more direct in this game Johnny you're going to come off the bench and take a little bit of a rest that's going to have to happen this year if yeah, we're, if this team's going to be successful all season it looks like they're going to be playing in the open cup mm-hmm. uh based on the news that we saw today so I, I think that um you're going to have to have you're going to have to give rest to these guys. And yep. if you want Alan Polito to actually play the last year of his contract, you absolutely need to give him some freaking rest. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, yeah, it's it's good to have these options and have options that actually just stuff. I thought my mom Rodriguez was actually pretty good. Yeah, and I did is too like I thought he's definitely been, he was definitely the most active midfielder I've seen sub on for this team in a while.
1: He, he wasn't afraid to shoot. He wants to be Eric Tommy, I guess. He's I mean, just, but he's always been
0: that way. Memo. Yeah, I know. Been that I way. know. I did think it was kind of bullshit that Houston fans were booing him. Like what yeah, the fuck, whatever. man? I mean, it's Houston fans. They suck, but I, I mean, just, <laughs> all, all 12 of them in the stadium, but I, I just like, like they, your, your team cut him. What, what the fuck are you booing him for? Was he, he's just supposed to never play soccer again. <laughs> you cut him. Anyway, um I just thought that was I mean, it's typical of Houston fans. Um they suck. Um what else? Two three five build out shape. It was fairly standard two three five, but um sometimes it would it would rotate as to which fullback was in the line of three. But other than that, it was kind of um standard fair kind of stuff. It wasn't anything really crazy. They kinda of got away from the three one six without Zusi. I understand why. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, the thing that just annoyed the shit out of both you and I, as we were trying to prepare for this podcast, we do what we normally do, which is one, try to rewatch the game. Cody was unable to do so because for some reason, Apple TV took the whole game replay off of its um, service. Today, Uh, I was able to watch most of it last night, so thankfully we have some information to give you. The other thing is we go to different websites to get uh, stats about the game. Something that was great about MLSSoccerSoccer.com, or Major League Soccer, 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 however soccer there is in it, um, was that Last year, their stats provider had a bunch of really cool information in it, like average position per player, passing maps. You had like a really good idea of kind of how the overall setup looked at an average for the game. All that shit's gone. They appear to have changed stats providers to, I think, the one that they've been using on Apple TV that we know is bunk. So, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have as much of that information. Thankfully, who scored does have average positioning, so we were able to find some of that. But, yeah, I just... like. This is another one of those things like you were talking about, about the rosters. Like you have the most eyeballs on you possible and you have moved to a less informed way of looking at the games. Yeah, it's weird. It's probably you and I and about 12 other people that notice this and care about yeah. it. But I mean, it's still-
1: yeah, but more more people than that. noticed the uh, the the crappy announcers um, who were ill informed and Uh, frankly just not good and that that's a that's a problem after after one year to not have those kinds of things sort of ironed out and it's, it's disappointing
0: i'm kind of bummed about that man because i just feel like this is like i i don't know i mean i would have to do some research on this are a number of these announcers doing multiple other jobs outside of announcing these games
1: yeah i don't know I don't know, man. It's it's the it's disappointing because, you know, um if you're going to have uh shitty announcers, then just have your hometown shitty announcers. At least they're your hometown like dudes, you know what I'm saying? And and or and do debts. But or, but or
0: certainly like have announcers that are, you know, that are from that market. Right. right, like
1: they—they're at least knowledgeable about the team. Well, even in fairness, even Nate, if they're homers, Nate or, is calling
0: our game on Saturday. Yeah,
1: I know, I, I know, and that's uh and I, like I, I think Nate is a very good um uh announcer. I have no issues with him at all. Nate's one um, of the five
0: best they've got. I mean, yeah, in, in my opinion. I mean, I, there are there are some good ones. I want to be clear. Yeah, they have absolutely. some guys that. I mean. Um, you know what's weird is Jake Zibbon and Taylor Twellman. I could take or leave because they they say a lot of the same kind of bullshit that you hear about every sporting thing. That's like just like the same stuff from ten years ago. Right. But um, uh, Chris Whittingham takes his job very seriously. and mm-hmm. Does a very good job with it. Um, who am I thinking? Keith Costigan? There's a number. Yeah. There's a few of them that are that are very good at what they do. But yeah, it, it's it's frustrating. Um, you don't want to. Have a game called by someone who knows less about the team than you do.
1: Yeah, that's not fun.
0: <laughs> less than ideal. Um, real quick um, on the referee side of things. I know obviously this is a main talking point. There was more stuff that came out in the news today about the negotiating between uh, pro and PSRA. I'm not going to spend a ton of time digging in all this stuff. I will say that um, while it's probably hard for um, a non-crazy soccer nerd to see, these refs are not that good.
1: No, they're terrible, man. the The ref in the uh, in the Miami LA game was oh, just like that was that shit.
0: second yellow was pretty fucking bad. Busquets even said after the game that it shouldn't have been that. and It totally changed the game, and it's why they got the call, oh, which I thought too- was wild.
1: I mean, and and look, players like players like Busquets and Alba and and Messi, even more so than than the other professional players. Man, those guys are sharks, man. I mean, seriously, they are they they're going to take advantage of weakness. And if they can pull the wool over a ref's eyes and get an advantage, they're going to do that. Cleto,
0: so got two or three fouls he should have never got.
1: Right. So it's so it's so it's not just you know. The refs are incompetent. Blah 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 blah. No, like like players will actively take advantage of that and use that to to gain an upper hand in a match. And and um and I don't like blame players for that. Um, but that's why you have to have competent referees. And they and had to do it like
0: three times the number of VAR reviews to change calls. They've, it, that they guy, on it, and they've, that guy,
1: that, that particular ref was just, it was obvious that, I mean, he was teetering on not having control of that match the entire time. It was just, uh, it
0: was yeah. a, it was a mess. I mean, it's going to be a mess. I think at least through this weekend, because mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like they're coming to an agreement. Uh, yeah. It looks like maybe they're going back to the table Thursday or Friday. So we'll see, but it sounds like probably not quite yet, but I, I understand to the to to it's hard sometimes hard to see the difference between them but um I want y'all to trust us that these refs are not good. Um they're they're not good. They're the the thing that you brought up is the one that that I saw for sure watching this morning game twice way too easily manipulated by the players. Yep. The one thing listen, we get mad at refs all the time for not calling fouls on shit. It's because they know how players try to sell fouls. They're very good at seeing. Like the really good refs are very good at seeing when players are trying to sell fouls. They're not trying to be obstinate, saying uh, "I'm not going to give you a foul because you fall too much." They're saying, "You fucking jump! You you tried to sell this foul that's not real." Yep. They're, they're actually really good at seeing it. And um, I saw. I felt like I feel like these games are going to be a little stop-starty for a while until they get the refs back in
1: and yeah, so and that's actually I think a bad
0: thing for sporting by the way if that, yeah. if that happens
1: but it's a bad thing for mls i mean because it's uh it, it, it it's not a a pleasant uh fan experience or viewing experience and i think that that's something that that is um it's not even outright uh uh, the the quote unquote response technically the responsibilities of the of referees, but it's what all good uh, referees do, um, is they manage the game right, like they they manage the flow of the game and the tenor of the game and they a referee have to because other
0: otherwise the players will do whatever they can to, uh, yeah. uh, to get an advantage and to yep. create their own tenor in the game. Like yep. it, it's it's human nature. You're in a competition. You are trying to get any advantage you possibly can. It is on the referee to stop you from using to breaking the rules in order to gain that advantage. It's yep. just, it's just how this goes. And I'm, you know, I've, probably sounded like I'm camping for referees this whole time, but realistically they are the most important part of, the, of what's going on on the field because they ensure that the rules are being followed. Yeah. Like and do they always get every single call right? Of course not. <laughs> we all fuck shit up every single day. The number of shit I fucked up today is significant. Okay, like all of us do that. Um and I just, I'm like, you want the highest quality ones you can have. And I think the statement to me, and I said this on on the uh, on the Discord, when you have the most eyes on you you've ever had and you're creating all this goodwill about Messi and all this crazy interest in the league to be like quibbling over a couple million dollars. Like seriously, they're quibbling over like a single digit percentage of Messi's, of Messi's salary to fix this whole fucking problem.
1: So it's, it sounds like the 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 Current are taking their cues from MLS. Oh
0: Man, what a segue. He looked at uh-huh. the rundown, made the segue. This guy <laughs> has become a podcast professional. This this guy over here. Let's move on to potpourri, just like your favorite Jeopardy category. So we discussed one thing that could be anything in around the sport against City, MLS soccer sphere. And it is, of course, the Kansas City current who are just like MLS, lighting all the goodwill they might have <laughs> on fire.
1: Uh, say it drew yeah, just yeah, say it just yeah, say it yeah. it's okay just say it
0: what what, what you, are
1: you-, you can say i told you so it's fine
0: uh, okay all right i mean i have been saying this for a minute i've been i noticed this i'm gonna be straight with you guys i noticed this back when they were playing at cab because i i put in a deposit for season tickets when they were playing at cab Community America Ballpark. For those of you who don't know, I don't know if it is the cab anymore. I think it's something else now. I think some other sponsor of it. Um, it's where the KC Monarchs play baseball. Um, that first season when they were playing there, I signed up for a deposit, and as soon as they like came out with tickets, I started looking. I was like, "This is not quite exactly what you guys sort of made sound like to me was happening." and sure enough like it was just sort of bait and i was just like ah, i'm not cool that like i'll go to a couple games and and my wife and i did go to a couple games um and and it was fun it was fine but um it was not anything to write home about obviously they're playing in a modified baseball stadium and just kind of doing the best they can with it it felt a little minor leaguey, if i'm being honest <laughs> Um, but I also know that's kind of how some women's professional sports have gone. And I, I'm, I'm not trying to like diminish them for that. Like I, it was an untenable situation. And then this year going to the current, going to the sporting Kansas city stadium, having, you know, all of the standard amenities that are available in it. I, I went to a couple games there and they felt nothing like sporting KC matches. If you thought the vibe was down at, SKC matches, try to you go to a current match, and it's just like, yeah, soccer, I guess. Like, that's what it felt like the whole time. Like, there was very little brand, there was very little activation of fans, there was very little, like, trying to engage, there was very little anything, it just felt like a corporate exercise. Like, everything about it felt that way. And we did do a deposit again for the new stadium to, to, try and, to try and see like what they had. And as soon as they engaged us for season tickets for that, to have similar season tickets to what we have at Sporting Kansas City was going to cost us 30% more than we pay for our season tickets, Sporting Kansas City, for 40% less games. And I'm like, oh, I see what we're doing here. This is a cash grab, to quote Mike Kuhn. These people are taking advantage of a market that is growing significantly. They're becoming the first to do something and creating a lot of goodwill in it. And I think two things can be true. I think they can be interested in growing the women's game and making it cool and interesting and making it something and and. Riding the wave and like turning it into something that people are very interested in participating in while at the same time recognizing it is a completely unpenetrated business that they can make shitloads of money on. I think both of those things can be happening at the same time, and they'll, the de- the second one definitely is something they're focused on. And um, here we are um, there. So- they they have a bunch of season ticket holders who in, there are there are sections of that stadium you can get into for. Fairly reasonable prices. I think the supporter section was like just a couple hundred bucks, right? I think for the season. And there are some other places that, you know, are sub $500 for the season to get into. Um, Those people, if they want to park anywhere near the stadium, now have to pay um, three to five times that much just to park.
1: Good times. So my, my parents are, are one of those groups of people who've had, um, so they had season tickets, uh, last year and I think the two years before, um, they, they also, so I, so I think ever since, um, ever since, um, the team came back to Kansas city, I think that they've had season tickets. Um, and, uh, and so they bought season tickets to the new stadium and they were really excited and, um, they're not <laughs> so excited at this point yeah, my, you know this my, my, been,
0: but this has been their mo the whole time this is the thing right. that fits frustrating right and I think it's was frustrating them this has been the mo of this team from game one, from day one it's the classic bait and switch. It's like, let me get you in the door. Let me get you yeah. figured out. Let me figure out like, yeah. okay, I'm going to try and sell you the most expensive thing possible. Let's, this is like the freaking Ponzi scheme bullshit. Like, let me try and sell you the highest price thing on here. Oh, you don't want to pay that, but look at how much cheaper this next option is that you yeah. would never have thought of spending money on in the first place, but because it's cheaper than the most expensive thing, I'll buy that. And they've been doing that for since they started this club and it's a, it's a common business tactic. I'm not acting like they're the first persons to do it and that they shouldn't try to make money on their stuff. But they've created a situation where they've made it seem like they have this amazing um, women's professional soccer team that they're putting all this investment and in altruistic sort of like uh, uh, endeavor to help build professional women's sports in the United States and really what they're trying to do is make money
1: yeah and that's i that's i think that you and i've talked about this um um off the pod and and i think that that's why um that's that's why it feels kind of um so gross is that is that uh we suspected that they've they've, they've come out and said today i guess that that they're going to have a, a shuttle running from um, um, the from river the, market, the, the river car, market, the river
0: market, uh, street um, car
1: stops. Right. Yes. So, so, so like that was probably the plan all along. They were just trying to get people to buy the, the, uh, the $50 parking before they, uh, yeah, sell that
0: lot out before right. we tell you how to get there cheaper. Yeah.
1: Right. And, um, you know, it's, that's, um, uh, that's, that's not but Yeah. But for, cool but, yeah, line, but for but,
0: your, your dad, that's not a possibility. Right. right. So,
1: so my dad had a double knee replacement, um, uh, year, year and a half ago. And so like, he can't walk long distances. Right. And, um, and I don't even know if, if he can stand in the, uh, on the streetcar for, for long periods of time. Plus that, you know, my parents are, they're in their seventies, you know, and they, yes. they, they live out in, <laughs> in the boonies. Right. Uh, they're like, they're like country folk and, uh, they don't know anything about the city right like they don't know where to park they don't know i was gonna say in stuff. fairness that streetcar
0: like, stop is right next to two giant parking lots for the city yeah market. but
1: but like but but the, but the problem is is that stuff is not being communicated to right. them right and and they were promised that it would be communicated to them and so um and so um you know, and I and I don't know if I don't know if the team is charging the same amount for uh for ADA compliant uh, parking spots. I don't. I and so like that, that's I don't know. That seems eh, I don't know. It just seems a little uh. It's technically uh, legal. Yeah, and as that, long so, as
0: as long as they're not charging more for ADA, as long as they're charging so, the same amount, it's 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 perfectly legal.
1: So I asked my mom what they're gonna do, and I mean, they're they're upset, right? And so they're probably not gonna go to a lot of games, and so um, and that means that uh, that I think it's probably unlikely that they re up their season tickets next year. So um, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, um, and it seems like a problem that could have been uh, foreseen and prevented with a little bit uh, with a little bit better faith.
0: Yeah. I don't know, like the the part that I'm really confused by with all of this, and I, I promise I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about parking, but um, the thing that I don't, I, I was, and I texted you this. I thought when they did the stadium announcement that there was a plan for park and ride from the casino. And I don't yeah, see, I don't, know. I don't see any mention of that. Like, I feel like that would be something to be very simple for them to set up. Hmm. And the, the parking yeah. exists over there yeah plenty of it
1: so so you know my my uh my parents also have um, um season tickets to Jayhawk games basketball games and um um until recently they uh, there wasn't uh, a parking garage anywhere uh near um that that you know normal folks could uh could afford to park in and so um they they parked in um in a lot across um across Campus, and um, and then um, they were bused to Allen Fieldhouse, and for the first handful of years, it was free, and then they started charging, which was fine. It's not that big of a deal, but but the point is, there was an option, right? Like there mm-hmm. was there was a place that that you could go, you know, and and park your car, and then and then shuttles took you. And and dropped you off, you know, within easy walking distance um, for you know people with kids, people with with disabilities, people with um, you, know, um, you know any other issues, right? I mean, uh, you have to make your 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 experience um, accessible by by everybody, right? Or by as many people as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about all this. I, I, I agree with you. I think that there are fairly simple things that if they put some effort into would be fixed. Um, I would say a couple things. One, um, I don't get the feeling that this club has a ton of employees and is capable of uh, like dealing with this type of situation very effectively. Um which is part of the problem. And I think the other, it, it, which is weird when you spend, what was it? 14, $15 million on a training facility and then $150 million on a stadium that you don't have the appropriate um, workforce to handle the logistics of getting people in and out of those places.
1: Drew, but that that's, workers are expensive. You have to pay like benefits and yeah. and you know all kinds of crap just, to them. You just
0: brick and mortar a fucking stadium on the banks of the Missouri River. You would think that maybe that would be built into your cost model, but nope. I, I I think that so I think that they're a little bit limited in that capability. And then I just also think that um, if you think Sporting Kansas City has struggled to hear its fans, <laughs> man, I, I mean I just don't think. They, they are equipped to deal with that kind of thing. And I also think that they come from a mindset and I, I mean, I don't want to put the longs in a box here, but I've met private equity people before <laughs> and they, they are fairly um, unemotional in how they make financial decisions and how they make decisions about things. And they just sort of brush aside uh, negative comments. They know that they're going to make decisions. They're going to upset people, and they just move on. So, yep. I, if you think you haven't been heard by Sporting Kansas City front office people, I don't know what to tell you because I think that the that this is a feature of how this club is going to be run, not a bug. We've seen it in the player side. We've seen it on the coaching side. We've seen it on now on the on the on the uh, customer side. I just, I think that they believe that people will just sign up for their product no matter what. And maybe they're right. Well, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Yep, we'll see. And then they launch some boring-ass kit that looks exactly like the same shit they've had for the last three years and with some fake VR graphic on the bond bridge. Um, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> they, just, better
1: hope, they better hope their team is better than it was last year oh, because, shit. you know.
0: Because... Ain't nobody going to walk a mile from fucking River Market down there <laughs> to watch them if they suck. Nope. <laughs> I cannot believe that was one of the freaking things on their part. Like, well, you can also just walk down this pathway that is a mile long.
1: That, that'll be fun. That'll be fun at uh, at 5 p.m. on, uh, on uh, 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 August, early first week in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yikes.
0: Okay. Um, one thing to look for. Um We have another game this weekend. Sporting Kansas City has a game this weekend against the Philadelphia Union, who just went 120 minutes last night <laughs> against Saprissa. Um, the Union did play at home on Saturday against Chicago and had a 2-2 draw. Um, and then again at home against Saprissa um, and went 120 in that one. Because they were down 3-2 in regular time, and they had won 3-2 in San Jose, Costa Rica. So now they are, they they did eventually break through, even down a man. Uh, Mikel Ura scored in extra time to uh, get them through. So they are moving on to the next round of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So does that mean they have a game next week as well?
1: I, I don't think so. I thought that there was at least some kind of a break.
0: I don't know. I the new the the new thing with seventeen C's. I don't know the format very well. I'll be honest. I haven't paid much attention. Sporting's not in it, so I haven't really looked at. There's it. only
1: there's only so much soccer you can consume. Well, and there's like nine MLS teams in this one. Like what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's why Sporting's going to end up in the Open Cup because l- there's so many teams in yeah. the uh, the Concacaf Champions. No, oh,
1: you're right. Tuesday. Tuesday uh, next Tuesday March 5th they play Pachuca.
0: There you go. So they've got a game uh, they is that in Mexico?
1: Uh Oh my gosh, I lost it. No, it's uh, uh, it's in Philly.
0: In Chester, Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, at least they don't need their passports. Um but still, that's obviously something Jim Curtin's got to prepare for another game in that. So, um It'll be interesting to see what kind of lineup they have in this one. They had a bunch of guys that that were normally that started on Tuesday also started this match and went 120 Kai Wagner is Kai Wagner, I guess this is how it's pronounced. Sorry, Chad Smith. Kai Wagner is uh, uh one of them. Um who else? Uh, Jakob Gleznes. Um there were a number of like regular players for them. Uh El Brujo did not come on until late. So maybe we'll see him i think you actually want to see el brujo he's like one of your favorite players
1: personally I, personally i really do i would i would love to have that guy on my team well no
0: i know you like to have him on your team but i think you'd like to see him in person
1: oh 100 yeah, percent. yeah yeah yeah
0: i think he'll probably start because he he came in late in that one so did ura did carranza start maybe i don't know anyway it was kind of a mix mix mash of stuff the the nice thing the union have going for them is they do have a very active academy that brings players through. And so I think Jack McGlynn also went 120 in this one after going 90. Mm, So maybe
1: that's too bad.
0: That that's probably, he's probably not going to start if he, I mean, probably could, he's like 21. Um, Quinn Sullivan played in both games as well. So like they have some young players that have been, that have been playing regularly, but we'll have to see. They they're obviously in the diamond, right? They, they run a true six out of a, out of a diamond. Although in reality, we know it's not, as narrow as a diamond often plays. um, And they tend to overload at least one side against um, Chicago. They were definitely overloading the right-hand side. So I don't know if we'll see more of that or not. I got to be honest. I don't have much of a scouting report on Philly. I mean, we kind of know what they do. Um, It's not Jim Curtin is just as much, I guess, of an ideologue as, as Peter Vermees is, but their teams play good. They they play interesting soccer. They're, they're fun to watch um, and they're difficult to play against.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about uh, midfield control, like that's, uh, that's not the best um, um, opponent we could have after, after Houston, because they, they have, you know, with, with that diamond, they, they have, um, loaded midfield. And, um, and they also are keen at winning duels and, and, and going in for battles and they'll press and they'll, um, um, they'll make life difficult. And, um, and so it's, I think it's a, it's a pretty big challenge for, um, for Sporting Kansas City to have them as their first home game. And, uh, it's great, man. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. Uh Gazdag uh started and went ninety at the ten. Uh Carranza played almost ninety. And then um Quint Sullivan came on sixty five. Jack McGlynn did go one twenty, Ty Wagner one twenty.
1: I'm I'm disappointed about that. I I hope we get to see him.
0: Ty Wagner or McGlynn? No, no, McGlynn. I want to,
1: I, I want to see him. You're a big Come Jack on, McGlynn fan. McGlynn.
0: I'm kind of, I'm not as high on him as you are, but I, I, I think he's. No, a
1: good I, so, so I think he's a good player. I want to watch him live, uh, to, to assess whether like he's as good as, uh, as everybody else says he is. Um, so I, I've, I've not seen him in person and, and I want to, I want to do that. It's hard. Uh, it's. You know i i really and and you know this right like like it's a lot easier to 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 get an assessment on a player when you when you watch them off the ball and you can't do that on tv you have to you you have to do that in person to really kind of get a a good feel for you know how how effective they really are so
0: yeah it makes sense um i i don't disagree with that um what else are we looking for? I, I don't know. I just, I mean, a higher line of confrontation, maybe a little bit more activity from two of our three forwards.
1: I just want them to act like they want to score. I mean, like I want, I want. I mean. Or we participate gotta
0: have, in the game in any like, substantive
1: way. Like 0.5 XG would be good with me. <laughs> like, I mean, just something, right?
0: It's an, it would be an improvement. <laughs>
1: like touch the ball in the final third, right? Yeah. Wow,
0: yeah. There were not many of those.
1: It's okay. No place to go but up. We we got yeah.
0: it. I mean, I, I do think a lot of that was the, the the game plan was not necessarily to try to be very aggressive going forward. Um, I don't I don't expect that to be the case at home. We know that Peter is much more aggressive yeah. with his uh, yeah. with his tactical philosophy at home, and he
1: should be. And that's I mean. We should expect
0: that. It's extremely hard to win on the road in MLS, especially the first game of the year. One team won on the road, and it was uh, in Austin, right? And Austin played fucking garbage in that game. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty hard to win on the road in this league, and so especially the first game of the year. So um, let's just not allow our opponents to win on the road on Saturday, and everybody will be fine. Yeah, let's go hey look as i noted you are mid-season uh form Mm -hmm. we're we're almost almost two hours in
1: you can't put this on me ricky bobby you're (laughs) you're the talker i do
0: i am i am definitely the most verbose and with thought of the two of us um and on that note i'm drew he's cody we will talk to y'all next week
1: enjoy the game